Hello and welcome to another episode of A View from the Top. I'm Adrian Cropley. A View from the Top is a regular podcast from the Centre for Strategic Communication Excellence, where I interview some of the world's leading communication professionals as we explore their career journey. Today, I'm with Michael Nord, who is the Client Services Director at The Fifth Business and lives in one of my favourite cities in Europe, Amsterdam. And I won't tell you why it was my favourite city, but Michael might explore that later. Michael is a strategic communication management professional, being one of the first to gain the senior certification through the IABC and also has his MBA. Michael has been an amazingly active, well, active professional within our profession over many years, even though I must say he still looks about 16 to me, even though he will tell you he's older than me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's that North American climate, I am sure, Michael. But let me tell you a little bit about Michael and then we'll, uh, we'll head into the interview. Um, he's been involved with IABC at both the local, the regional and international levels. Um, and been involved for a number of years on many projects through the IABC, and that's where I actually got to meet Michael, and I'm so thrilled that I'm able to talk with him today. But he's one of these people that freely gives us his knowledge, his time, and supports the development of our profession globally. So not only has he done it all, he gives back to the profession. This is what I really love about him. And if anybody has ever attended one of Michael's workshops or presentations, you'll know that his enthusiasm is contagious. So let me welcome Michael Nord. It's great to be talking to you, Michael. Thank you, Adrian. I'm really pleased to be here. Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a big pleasure. I actually met you many years ago uh, in Florida when you were running for chair of IBC and I was part of the nomination committee and I think we met in the hallway because I was running late to the committee and you were going into your interview and that's the first time we met and gosh, I was probably looking very stressed by that stage right I'm sure we I'm sure we both were so uh, so it's it's I really it's a pleasure to be here. it's always a pleasure to meet you somewhere in the world for one of our IBC conferences or events I know, and we've probably clocked up a list of places that we have met, certainly at, at the IBC conferences. And it's it's that, you know, when I started out in the introduction talking about people that give back into the profession, and you really have done that so very, very well, giving of your time very freely with, with the IABC and uh, and other things that you've been involved with. But, you know, you, you get to a stage in your career where you're able to do that, you enjoy doing it, but it's built on a a foundation. So where did it all start for you, Michael? Did you wake up one day and say, I want to be a communication <laughs> professional and that's that's what I'll go study? <laughs> um, it actually started in, in high school um, where um, one of my teachers had formed a group uh, that were creating the very first school magazine. And wow. the, um, the, the guy they had appointed editor was leaving school because his parents were moving to South Africa. Um, so they were looking for a new editor and he knew that I, I liked writing. So he came to me and said, do you want to be the editor of the school magazine? I said, well, why not? And, and it was, it was fun. It was the, the that very was first an early magazine. start, Michael. That's it right. was. <laughs> and it, it was fun. It was fun writing about school, making interviews. Um, and I also realized it was easy to get access to school leaders because you had a, a legitimate reason to speak to them. Um, and it also actually at that very beginning gave me an ease to work with and, and listen and speak to people who are 
more senior than myself and who has a position uh, either in business or in life. Uh, and, uh, and I think that it's actually helped me throughout my career uh, that I've been able to work with people at all levels of organization. And, and that's so, a really uh, interesting one. Sorry, Michael, just to, to, yep. to yep. jump in there, because you've, you've just hit a great point for me because you don't often come across this, but I, I just want to dwell on it for a moment because that access or that exposure when you're very young, right back in, in high school, where you're starting to deal with senior people and leaders and, uh, you know, influencing your teachers and all of those things are skills that set you up for the future and give you that confidence. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and we find this, you know, a lot of people, I was involved with scouting for many years, and I have to say the things that we saw in the kids that got involved with, you know, projects and doing writing assignments and, uh, you know, getting involved with things like Queen Scout and all of those things that built that confidence made them good leaders down the track. So it's a it's good to get involved early and immerse yourself, I would imagine. Absolutely, absolutely. And and it's also, it, I'm, I was a very shy and introvert. Uh, I'm still an introvert, but I was a very shy and introvert kid. Uh, but it helped me get out of my shell. Yeah. It helped me um, get uncomfortable sometimes, yeah. speaking to people who, with authority, he, people who I, I would have maybe feared a bit in in. In real life, but but yeah. but it gave me that what I just said that legitimate reason to speak to them, and quite often, just like now, people like to talk about themselves. Um, you're interviewing me, and I don't mind talking about myself and where <laughs> it all started. And I think we all we all like that. If you if you ask the right questions, if you 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 push the right triggers, uh, then then people will will open up and talk to you. Uh, and it helped me later when I worked with very very senior leaders in in large industries Um, because you ask, you don't ask them general, you ask them personal questions and they don't expect it, uh, but, but they actually enjoy it. So, yes. And it is funny because the, the, the key to communication we often say is being able to ask really good questions and to listen really well. Yes. Um, And I think that's a, it's a, it's a a key point. The, um, so you know, you you come out of high school. You're looking at your studies in the future. Is that the direction you then went in in communication? No. Or did you study? No, something? actually, I I I did something completely different because um, I grew up in Denmark, and at the time, uh, early eighties, we had mandatory subscriptions. So I had to go and and do the whole test and things. And while I was doing it, I thought. I'm actually a little school tired. Uh, maybe I should just sign up. Uh-huh. So, uh, surprise to everyone, inc- including my mother, <laughs> I signed up to be a professional soldier, and I was a professional soldier for four years in the Royal Danish Air Force. And it was wow. a good time. It was a very good time. I what a learning. A te- <laughs> yes, it, I got a technical education. Um, I also learned uh, the ranks of of the the, the military. Um, I worked with very, very professional people. And I was lucky that the battalion where we worked, the, the group where we worked, was a mix of women and men. So there wasn't that male um, yeah, sphere hanging around it. It was actually yeah. a very good atmosphere. And, and it was very good because we were working with real-life events. So we were monitoring airspace. Uh, and that's here and now. It's not something you just exercise and plan for. It's actually here and now. And we had some fun uh, incidents while 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 I was there. 
but after four years, I had enough. And then I was very lucky. A friend of mine offered a job um, as a sales and export assistant in an electronics mm-hmm. company. And that got me into sales and marketing. And I realized that I had a flair for marketing. I really enjoyed marketing. Um, we were a young company. And we had a very interesting, again, and a very interesting leader, CEO, yeah. uh, who was on the uh, U.S. and NASA space program to be an astronaut. He never became one, but still he, he did the t- all the tests, and he was on the shortlist. Yeah. So he was a very interesting person. And I used him and his story and to bring to journalists and to bring to the marketing. Yeah. Uh, and then we had amazing electronics products um, uh, with with Danish design, which was quite unusual at the time, so yeah. um, so it was fun. It's and, and it, you know when you look back at uh, you know you've you've gone from high school into you know, into the army, um, obviously picking up a ton of skills in that, but finding finding where it is you wanted to be in that that job where you started discovering marketing was it the connection back to the writing that you did or that that yeah it was, went, okay something familiar here and I yeah. enjoyed it then and this is where I'm going to go now actually one of my uh, one of the things that happened during uh, my time at the at the Royal Danish Air Force was that my sergeant pushed me forward so I did the morning briefings I was the youngest ah. one who did the morning briefings in front of majors and colonels because, first of all, I was always impeccably dressed, and he, he appreciated that. And I had a very clear voice. I had done theater drama classes at school, so I knew how to use my voice, and he appreciated that I could speak to the room, and I was nervous speaking to the room. Yeah. So when I got into uh, business life, uh, my boss also realized that I enjoyed giving presentations, and I was very quick at picking up uh, the feature of our electronic products, um, the most sort of daunting was that there was a sheik from one of the Arab countries coming to see our factory yeah. and he wanted demonstration of all our products and they just pushed me to do it. And I was here, <laughs> I was 24 years old and there's this sheik in full ornate and I just did it. And and he listened and all the directors and, and managers were standing in the back of the room just looking at me demonstrating Yes, I made some mistakes, but it wasn't that. It was the storytelling that I did. And afterward, they, the, my boss came up to me and said, you're going to do all the presentations in the future. <laughs> so, <laughs> you certainly impressed him there. <laughs> I did, I did. And, and, and to be honest, Adrian, I, lo- I liked it. I loved it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the storytelling. And I think storytelling is very important um, because it, it gives people not just the technical facts or figures, but actually, how can you use this? How can you use this technology? And that's what what, what I like talking and, about. And did the storytelling give you confidence too? So I'm just, you know, the thing that goes through through my head is here is this introvert, right? You, you self-proclaimed introvert. Yep. Talking in front of big groups of people and important people, um, yep. and suddenly you've got that confidence to do it, and and it almost seems like a uh, a mismatch. But you've found something that says, actually, you know, I've done I've done performing arts. I can tell a good story. I'm okay at being in front of a crowd, even though I'm an introvert. Yep, 
Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And and it's it's probably been a red thread through my life that I've never been afraid of those situations. Mm. I've spoken in Stockholm at the Stockholm uh, Gay Pride for 80,000 people. Wow. I have spoken in Rome at the rally after World Pride in year 2000 for 100,000 people. And I don't get scared. I, yeah. I really don't. I If I feel prepared... And I jump off manuscript, by the way. Um, uh, I, I may have some notes. I may have a manuscript. Yeah. But but I know what the story is, and then I tell the story. And I think that's important. It, it, it's what makes it memorable, isn't it? So when you're telling yes. it as a story and you're telling it f- uh, from from your heart and it's authentic, you're going to remember it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Brilliant. So, yeah. Wow, I didn't, no wonder, you know, as I said in my intro, I said, has any, anybody's ever attended one of your workshops and, and the, the, that contagious enthusiasm in there? And it's come through because you are confident in what you're doing. So tell me about some of the jobs that you've done through your career. What were the some that are memorable to you and, and, and why were they memorable? How did they help you in your career? So um, after the electronics company, I got, uh, I wouldn't say headhunted, but I got hired by the mother company. So we were a large service company, one of the largest in the world, and and I was hired to do public relations. I didn't know anything about public relations, but we worked with a freelance journalist and he taught me everything. And from there, I moved to another electronics company, became a press secretary, um, and after that, because they was only a short stint because they were cutting uh, jobs because of um, savings, yeah. I got a job through a friend of mine at a, a small association of IT specialists. And it was a very small association, a thousand members. But they were looking to professionalize their communication and their marketing. And I did that for five years. And it's probably one of the fun, most fun jobs I've had. Yeah. Uh, again, working with very senior um, specialists and leaders in the IT industry in Denmark, um, but building up a association together with the, the lead of the association from 1,000 people to 3,000 people over five years. Uh, and very professional communication, very strong on the brand, Again, the storytelling, the magazine we had, and the events we created. Um, and it was a lot of fun because you were a small team and we, you delivered, again, with volunteers, just like IBC. Yeah. We de- delivered through vo- through volunteers. Uh, so, again, met a fantastic people um, and people who really saw me and 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 coached me uh, yeah. to become even better than I, than I was. So that was a lot of fun. And from there, I, I moved into uh, agencies. So I worked in agencies a couple of times. And, and that's the other side. Um, yeah. So working in an agency, servicing clients, uh, servicing a product, uh, helping to market or communicate uh, products um, from a agency perspective. So there you have to have a strong relationship with journalists, with media, uh, you need again to find the story uh, because it's not just another printer or another camera, another phone. There should be a story, and, and why is it this product and not the other the competitor's product? So I learned a lot about the the, the PR industry from there. Yeah, great. And, and when you made that transition into the agency role, well, what were some of the lessons that you took? Because I mean, it is a different mindset when you move into yes. agency, but there's yes. there's things that you build on after being in in either the corporate or the the public sector after many years. 
So what was yeah, I think internet? Yeah, I think some of the things is that you cannot speak marketing, at least not in in Northern Europe. You cannot use marketing speak to to journalists. Yeah. Um, it needs to be what is the benefit from for their readers? Why would their readers want to hear about this product? What is the product going to help uh, from uh, their readers' point of view? Whether it's uh, a printer for your home, it's a large printer for your office, it's a new digital camera, whatever it was, you need to think about from the readership rather than from a marketing perspective. So the, the, the facts and figures go a little in the background and the story becomes more important. Uh, and that was a lesson learned. And I worked with some great freelance journalists who were very good at crafting messages. And we had some, we had a lot of fun events. I remember one event we did was the launch of the very first Canon digital camera. Oh. And, and we came, yeah, we came Did up with this Did you say the very idea. first Canon digital camera? <laughs> yes, 1992 or three, I think. Oh, wow, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we came up with this idea of creating a photo um, uh, competition so we gave the journalist uh, each a camera they went into a park and then we had a professional journalist a uh, professional photographer sorry uh, who would be the judge and they came back and of course the winner would win the camera but it was a fun way of engaging the journalist yeah. in something that was completely new everyone yeah. knew what the camera was but yeah. suddenly you had a digital camera so you could look at the result and say yeah. nah I want a different angle or a different whatever yeah they didn't have to take the film out and go get a process yes (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah exactly so so i think that was that was a that was a great and also there it's where i realized i really like events i like creating events where people remember um the events we had a client who had bought a mini uh, castle uh, and he wanted to create a reception and i said why don't we Think about the history of the castle. So uh, we created these figures around the castle who would tell stories, and I would do uh, guided tours of the park because I really enjoyed the history of the castle, uh, and people enjoyed it and and remembered it afterwards. And I think that's what you want. You want yeah. people to remember what they attended, not just another reception or another event. And it's the keys to communication, isn't it? I mean, you want it is. you want people to remember the message, have formed some type of attitude around it, and therefore change a behavior as a result of it. So it's that, you know, and that connection again back to, to storytelling is just really important. You, you certainly found your passion piece there. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then and at some point, uh, after having worked in agencies, and um, I wanted a more international career. Uh, and I was looking for a job, and I got a job offer in Amsterdam in 2003 to be European communications manager for a, an, a global uh, HIV AIDS organization. Right. Um, and you can say it was a, a, a bit of a jump, but... Um, as a volunteer and as a gay man, I had work in, in, in gay politics and I'd work um, with HIV AIDS because that was, of course, a big issue in the 80s and 90s yeah. for gay men. Um, so in 2003, when I was offered a job in Amsterdam to be head of communications for the uh, International Association, oh, the International, uh, sorry, AIDS Vaccine Initiative, yep. um, I, I said yes. I, it was something I wanted to do from a passional, but also I wanted that international career. So I moved to Amsterdam, whole new country, no friends, uh, no family. Uh, It's a tough uh, gig. (laughs) 
It is tough. It is tough. Even though it's close, it was still, it is. if something happened at home, it would take me, um, you know, with planning and everything, it would take me a day to get home. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't just around the corner. And then, of course, language. So everything was in English, but but what it, everything around me was Dutch. Yeah. And, and I didn't speak Dutch at the time. Uh, so I remember I was sitting on a train going to a meeting, and then suddenly if everyone left the train after announcement, and I was sitting there all alone thinking, and now what? <laughs> and, it turned, and it turns out there was an announcement the train wasn't running, but I didn't understand. <laughs> so I, I made the vow to myself, I need to understand and learn this language, which I've done now. So I mastered, I mastered Dutch now, but, but it was one of those moments. Oh, fantastic. Um, and then traveling around the world with, with the AIDS vaccines, um, I got a job uh, with Belkin. Belkin is an American uh, hardware, IT hardware company. Oh, yes, also doing, yes. doing European communications. And it was from there that I got an interview with the CEO of the fifth business. Uh, we met at the uh, Schiphol Airport in Amsterdam. Uh, and at the end of the interview, he said to me in his Northern Irish accent, if I was to offer you a job, Michael, would you say yes? Uh, uh, and I looked at him <laughs> and, and I, I took a deep breath and I actually felt a connection with him uh, and the, what he was trying to, again, he was a fantastic storyteller. Yeah. So, so I said yes. And in 2006, I joined Fifth Business um, and been there almost ever since. So yeah, it's been interesting. And is it nice to to be able to uh, you know as you move on in your career to to listen to the the offer, make the connection with the organisation and the person, say this is either a company or a person I actually want to work with, to have those absolutely. decisions later yep. in your career, I think is is, yep. is absolutely brilliant. Yep. Um, and working in the fifth business, what are some of the things that you do there now? So it's changed a lot. So when I joined, I was the uh, I was a senior consultant. I worked with very large companies doing internal communications. So I shifted to internal communications in 2006. Right. And that was a big step because yeah. internal communication was at its infant, but but was becoming more and more important. And is what was what we did and what we do a fifth business. We do change and internal communications and engagement. And I realized that I took my marketing experience, I took my marketing uh, knowledge and know-how and transformed it into internal stakeholders instead of external stakeholders. And that helped me a lot in the beginning. Um, So again, working with senior leaders on how to communicate uh, some of the things they were trying to achieve inside their organizations. I I would say that that passion for storytelling came into the forward in internal comms. Oh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And then also realizing that some of these leaders were specialists in whatever they do, whether it was HR, learning, IT, but they didn't. They weren't good communicators. So yeah. I needed to coach them to be good communicators. And uh, so rehearse with them, walk through their presentation, uh, help them to be be better at communicating. And and I really enjoyed that. Um, and and I just to explain fifth business actually, the name fifth business uh, comes from nineteenth century opera and theatre. Uh, it was derived by a Dane who said, when you look at theater and opera of today, and we're talking 19th century, you have the main character, but then you have the people in the background, the ones who are pushing the main characters to do certain things. And he identified those characters in the background 
as the fifth business. Ah. And, and when our CEO uh, read about this, he said, if ever I form a company, I want that name. And, and that became our name and it's been our name for 27 years. So, so very interesting. That is fantastic. And look, looking back at your career, Michael, and I, you know, as we start getting towards the end of our yep. time together, looking back at your, your career, what are some of the tips you would share with communication professionals too? Because you've obviously achieved, you're working at senior levels within the organization, you're coaching, influencing executives and CEOs. What tips would you share with communication professionals to get there? I think you need to treat everyone the same. You need to have respect for everyone who does a job, whatever they do. And that's down from the, the cleaners, the receptionists, the guards, the security, all the way up to the CEO, because you need them. You need them at some point. And I have had situations where suddenly I needed someone to help me. And that was the catering team. Uh, because someone had made a mistake, but because they trusted me, because they knew me, they helped me. And the same with the CEO. Um, I have traveled with CEOs around the world, uh, helping them with their presentation, helping them with their engagement. But they need to have trust in you. They need to know you're not going to spill the beans. You're not going to talk about something confidential to other people. Mm. I've had situations where I couldn't even talk to my boss in the fifth business about what I was doing because the CEOs trusted me not to. Mm-hmm. I've been in negotiations with big companies where they just needed another one, uh, another person at the table uh, and just said, just listen, don't say anything and 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 be, be quiet about it afterwards, knowing what the deals were. And I think that that trust you build from all levels of the organization is very, very key. And also be humble. Uh, we are good we, at what we do. We are professional, communication professionals. Um, but I think that being humble is very important um, because it's not about us. It's about our clients. It's about our managers, our bosses, and it's about helping them uh, get the message across to employees and stakeholders. Michael, I think, you know, as you, <laughs> I listen to that and I go, you're the definition of what it takes to get that seat at the table because you you hear those and I think if everybody applied those tips they would be invited and welcome at the table being that trusted advisor and I think you've just defined that for us Michael that was really lovely I really appreciate it we are going to wrap Michael I Cannot believe our time is getting so close to, to wrapping up already. But thank you for joining me. Is there any parting words that you would give to, to communication professionals? Well, I think uh, join join an association, join an, an industry association, whether it's IBC or something else, because you're going to get a network of peers, and especially in the global world that's becoming more and more global, even with corona. I think it's important to have those contacts, to have those that network, and you're going to get that network. And then give back. If someone gives you something, give back, whether get to them or give back to your peers or to the industry. I think that's very important. Uh, thank you so much, Michael, and that's a great, great message to part on. And thank you for your time. And thanks, everybody, to uh, joining us in this uh, episode of A View from the Top. I look forward to reaching out to you next time as we uh, explore A View from the Top. Thank you, everyone.